0: What's up guys this is Corey Baker from Baker Forging Tool. In my business we do tons of heavy grinding every single day and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameribrade Variable Speed 2x72 is just that. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to ameribraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. All right, next up, the Hustle & Grind podcast.
1: what's up everybody welcome back to the hustle and grind podcast i'm your host noah from any river forge with me as always ryan from ryan chadbourne knife works and today we have the sharp carpenter rodney mr million extraordinaire himself <coughs> how are you buddy
2: i'm doing well how are you guys doing good
1: doing awesome doing awesome uh so you're a transplant you're, uh, you're Canadian, but you're not really Canadian. Is that correct?
2: That is correct.
1: So where, 100%. where are we hearing you from right now? You're, you're, uh,
2: currently I'm in St. Thomas, Ontario. I live in London, uh, but I come out to this beautiful shop, uh, which is actually Brian Bosch's shop BG Bosch on Instagram name drop. And it's where I do most of my forging and knife work.
1: Gotcha. So do, do you have like a home shop or do you just share that space?
2: Uh, I do have a home shop, but his is nicer, so. (laughs) 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 And it's just nice to come out and uh, work with somebody that's, you know, bounce ideas off each other in real time. Give each other some crap and, you know, it's a good time. So is it uh, pretty close to your place then? Uh, It's about a 20-minute drive. So, yeah, I can, in the city that I'm in, I can drive for 20 minutes and still not be across it. So this is kind of coming... Out of the city in one direction. So, yeah, it's, it's not bad. Yep. Nice. So but you're it, an American that
3: up. moved to Canada?
2: Correct. What the fuck for? <laughs> My beautiful wife.
3: Oh, okay. I see that. Yeah,
2: at, the, at the time, we couldn't really decide on uh, who was moving where. And we, it literally came out down to a uh, pros and cons list. And so there was more pros for me coming here than her moving to the States. To
3: so it's interesting. What are some big differences you notice between Canadian and American culture, being that you're from both places?
2: Uh, are, Canadians are, are... care more about American politics than most Americans do. <laughs> Is that hard. true? For real? Yeah, hey, I, I love letting people just talk about, Americans and say whatever they say and then twenty minutes into the conversation, you're like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm a US citizen. They're like, Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> oh, Jesus sorry sin. about that, eh? Oh, not saying that we that. got anything good going on down here, but you guys Yeah. Uh. <laughs>
2: so uh unless you want to go knives right (laughs) unless you want to go down that rabbit hole we better talk about knives right now (laughs) (laughs) i can either lose followers or gain them real quick
3: yeah that's true we were talking about the who before we came on we're like is this going to be the kind of show we're going (laughs) to (laughs) have my bad my bad sorry guys
2: uh anyways we can continue that conversation later that's after show
1: material all yeah, right. maybe after show. Uh, r- real quick, uh, we played an ad for AmeriBrade before we started, and I just wanted to make sure that everybody still was aware that there is still a discount going on on all the Ameribraid accessories, 10% off all their accessories and stuff that they uh, that they make until December 13th. De- is that correct? 11th. Oh, December 11th. Okay. So there's still time. If you want to get yourself some sweet AmeriBrade accessories, um, get over there, Hustle 10. Uh, ten percent off uh, all their accessories, and this is the first time we've actually been able to get you guys a discount on those accessories. Um, we've always had that uh, Hustle One Hundred code if you're buying a grinder, but
4: well,
1: most of you probably it's already anything have on
3: the website.
1: So Just even if you t-shirt. go in
3: yeah, t-shirts, everything. Yeah. So even if it, if you're looking for wheels, you go on. You're looking for parts and pieces. Anything you order, it's the entire order, ten percent. Not too sure There you go. You kacha. Know. Yeah.
1: What kind of grinder do you have, Rodney?
2: Me? Yeah. I have. Uh, where? Here or there? I don't know. I at was just trying to. So at the shop in Let's my shop at equipment. my house. I oh, okay. Let's talk all the equipment. Uh, at my house, I have a three by ninety, which Dang. is made by Gallant. Um, they're beasts. Uh, and I've got sounds like it two three unfinished two by seventy twos. I've got a BA shredder uh, and a couple of the grinders that I was selling. Which are what are they called? They're the open source grinder. Know what I'm talking about?
1: No, OSG. I know. No, I know. Didn't know that you were uh, you were selling selling grinders, man.
2: Uh, yeah, I was trying to be cool like uh, our friend Brian House for a while, and then I realized I don't like. Packing and like making grinders. Anything I do, if I can save money by making 20 of something and make it cheap for myself, if I sell all the rest of them, I'm into it. it usually leads to lots of rabbit holes, but that's kind <laughs> of what I do. So I did uh, on the homemade belt grinder group. Wait, that one's Brian's, isn't it? The home built de- grinders. Yeah, Brian's is DIY. Okay, the home built belt grinders before Brian had his... I did, uh, uh, like a batch run. I said, who wants these things laser cut and ready to go? Blah, 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 blah. Did a pre-order and did a batch of them. And then, uh, actually that's how I met Brian. He, um, this Brian, uh, whose shop I'm in, he ordered a belt grinder off me and was like, Hey, if you ever want to come out and need access to more tools, whatever, let's hang out. So. So I built him a belt grinder. I brought it here, set it up for him, and then I just haven't left. I guess <laughs> I keep coming back. And so, then
1: you realize that you could just mill your billets in between forge welds instead of doing what everyone else does and struggle through all of the the grinding to get all the scale off and everything. And, and uh, you're sold yeah. from there on out.
2: I could ride the struggle bus, or I could get it done. One of the two.
3: <laughs> I like that. I like that. Ride the struggle bus. Uh, there's
2: there's when you're doing massive billets there's enough struggle anyways like i've tried sandblasting and all that stuff it's just so all of it's slow even milling it's slow you're just sitting there cranking a handle for an hour like ooh, this is good my forearm hurts (laughs) (laughs) how long does it
1: take to 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 mill like a i don't know let's say like a two inch by a or do you do you cut them into sections before you mill them or do you just mill the whole thing
2: um, it depends that if I'm doing a stack, I will like cut them up on the bandsaw and then mill them flat real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends, depends on so how, how good of a job I did off the, off the press, to be honest, if I got it nice oh, and yeah. square off the press, Same or if uh, yeah, good enough. Let's let's let it cool down and mill it up. Then it's usually just like, oh, I should have spent 10 more minutes on the press. To get it closer so, to square otherwise you're just wasting material too because if it's way rhombus or something it's going to get flat one way or the other
1: yeah i struggle with that as well i even have kiss blocks now and i still can't get a thing perfectly square just because i lose interest i was like oh it's stretched out yep i'm good i don't really <laughs> want to spend any more time for it than this let's just chop yep. it up um how much time does it take to uh to mill one of those and do you like anneal it first or do you have like carbide mill bits or how how, what do you do
2: yeah it's all uh carbide tooling yeah it's can you see it where is it no
1: i can't and the listeners definitely can't see it
2: hey listeners does this make for good uh good podcasting i don't know it's over in that corner okay that's fine (laughs) um yeah it, it just depends on how much you have to take off again how square you got it to begin with and how deep the decarber if you're chasing out cracks or something yeah. it can take, you know, just like two minutes else, I guess. per face or it can take 20 minutes per face. So just like grinding, if you if you come off the, you know, the forging equipment clean, it's also not that bad just to grind it on a belt grinder, right? Just when you're trying to get flat and parallel sides to forge weld back together, then. You know, even after I take from the mill, I would run into the grinder and kiss it on some 120 to get rid of the mill marks. Oh, okay, I'm not, that a, makes sense. I'm not a proficient machinist. I'm not like, <laughs> you know, making, you know, blocks that'll ring together off the mill.
1: So. Yeah. I just slap mine up on my surface grinder that I have from my braid, and it's really smooth and easy. Just back and forth. Although that does, that turns into an arm workout as well. Like you sit there and you got to mill out or not mill. You got to grind off, you know, scale from both sides of, I don't know, six or eight chunks by the end of it, you're like,
2: Okay, well. Yeah. Two or three bumps later. Depending on if you have scale or not.
1: No, I can I can do it all with one belt. That's the no. beautiful thing about the surface grinder is like, man, you can take an old crappy belt and then still get life out of it because it's that you know, if I'm grinding something on a on a flat platen. And then all of a sudden you've got it going around, I don't know what it is. It's like a four or a six inch wheel that's on the the surface grinding attachment that changes the angle of the grains and you just get all the life out of that belt. You can grind that sucker down to like bare cords and you'll still be taking material off of those blocks. It's great.
2: I've definitely, I've definitely done that before. What size are you saying on your surface grinder, you're running it with like a four inch wheel?
1: I can't remember. It's either a four or a six. It's got to be a six it's because it, it's it's larger than i think a I think it's larger than a four inch
2: we need to rebuild the one that we've got here, but whatever I eventually want to turn my big three by ninety because it's a direct well it's pulley drive from the motor, but then from there it's got a shaft that's about that big around that drives a ten inch contact wheel, which is the drive wheel, so I'd Ooh. like to eventually turn that into a surface grinder, just have a big like guys do with uh, surface grinders and then turn up, turn them into a belt drive. Sure, yeah, yeah. Just Which the...
1: pisses people off. Oh my so god! You're one of those people. We apologize. Mm.
2: Not really, I've seen people not, that are like really. actually posted a uh, uh, surface grinder for sale, and they're like, "If you're going to turn this into a belt conversion, I will not sell it to you." I'm like,
3: "Yeah, why? I've seen those too. Why? Like, <laughs> why do people have a problem with it?"
2: I don't know. They're like, it's not as accurate, but most of the time guys are ripping off scale and making things flat. It's like with a belt, if you can get things flat within a couple thou or with a stone, half a thou, most of the time we're just grinding, smashing stuff back together. Anyways, what does it matter? Yeah. And all I that mean, it takes is you, you bolt the wheel back on and it's still a, a wheel, you know, surface grinder. So doesn't really matter. Most of the ones you- I've
3: seen only have like a half inch wide or a one inch wide stone on them too it makes yeah. way more sense to have a two inch wide for what we do
2: yeah for sure again if Fuck you need extreme precision just bolt the wheel back on you don't you don't, aren't actually changing anything on the machine you're act you're just bolting an arm on it that holds the tracking wheel
3: mm. i've never yeah, understood guys that get mad about painting anvils They're like oh you ruined it you painted it i'm gonna smash hot steel on it what do you mean i ruined it
2: yeah or Purists. or surfacing an anvil off that's completely junked out on the top you ruined oh, that's it that's my favorite
3: no, i love that No, the
2: the hundred years of people before me ruined it i'm just kind of tuning it up
3: yeah i'm saving it from the scrap pile that's what i'm doing yeah i i, I never understood the purists. i'm like no if you no can you, make you... something better make it better fix it
2: then i get it if it's super rare and you're gonna add it to a collection i i get that but if you're putting it back to use make it serviceable for what you need it to do
3: right it's a tool it's not like a painting you're not buying a monet and like putting a clown face i'm gonna, add some, over I'm gonna it.
2: add some mustaches on this Monta- monet <laughs> yeah <thing>. exactly
1: <laughs> and the most important thing is that if you're modifying your tool it's yours it's not oh is it's it? not theirs it's it's that's it's, true it doesn't really matter what other people's
3: opinions are it's fine, it's fine. dude speaking everyone, of opinions everyone just
2: relax Honored
3: like Kaggler. <laughs> yeah, honored Kaglar makes me not want to have a large following because the fucking amount of like hate that that dude gets in his messages. He posts them now. It's fucking hilarious.
2: Oh, it's has been for a long again? time.
3: Yeah, yeah. He he posts them. He posts his responses where he trolls them back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's Love always
3: it. the the worst ones that I've
1: seen recently have been um old Hickory Forge jo- John Norwood his video for the katana build I don't know if that just like had like a big hate magnet on it or what but I've in if you watch John Norwood's stories he every so often he posts one of the uh, one of the comments that he's gotten on that video and man if there was anything that would make you not want to do YouTube it would be the comments on that video <laughs> it is freaking brutal uh, people just
3: hate I get it. people on my YouTube repair videos who are like you could do it this way. And I'm always like, well, you could and make a video on it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. One guy yeah. was like, why don't you do it this way? And I was like, because I have big fucking masculine hands that don't fit in that spot. So I have to do it a different way. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about your little burger holders, bro.
4: Burger anyway. holders. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> heard that one before. Burger. That's a good so, one.
0: So
1: Rodney, let's talk about you for a second here. Let's talk like the I don't think the the, the listeners might not know who you are. I mean some of them do. I know that for that. Nonsense.
3: Sure. Nonsense. But, uh, Everybody knows the sharp carpenter. Do they though? Just because just do because they, they follow
1: him and they see his work doesn't mean they know who he is deep down inside. Rodney, True. what yes. were you like as a child?
2: <laughs> what was I like as a child? Oh geez, That's uh what was I like dangerous probably to myself and okay. others? So not much has know. changed. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh what are we talking here?
1: So you grew up in Michigan, right? Yes, sir. Where at Michigan?
2: Uh in a little town called Otsego. Uh, I was pretty rural. Otsego is say 45 minutes south of Grand Rapids if that Makes sense. Um yeah. pretty rural. Ran around the yard playing in the woods, doing stuff. Playing in the woods. Okay. Did you fighting grow up doing ninjas? like hunting
1: and oh was, uh, fighting imaginary ninjas? Do you were, do you like grow up doing any hunting, any fishing? Did you play with knives as a child? Like where uh where Can do you I suppose with knives
2: the... as a child? Um Yeah. I'm sure I did all those things. I definitely did all those things. Uh, hunting, I got into more in like uh, junior high and high school. Um, my dad wasn't necessarily a hunter, but my grandpa was a big uh, waterfowl hunter. Um, and Michigan's yeah. a big state for that. Michigan's a big state for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd say average adventurous boy childhood dirt bikes, uh, all that type of stuff.
1: Gotcha. So when was it that you, uh, got interested in not only like, you know, playing with knives, but actually like making them like, what was the,
2: well, I had a short from? stint that lasted about 22 minutes when I was, oh, I don't know, 10 or 12, where I decided to take an existing sword and heat it up with a propane torch and hammer on it. Cause I, I'm sure I saw a movie, And I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to fold this sword 8,000 times and make a sweet katana. (laughs) And then I got it, you know, very dull red with a propane torch and started hitting it with a ball peen hammer and then realized that wasn't fun. And then I stopped. (laughs) Uh, so I've always had an interest in like cooking and sharp knives as far as that goes. So I guess what started it all, as far as knife making, I did, uh, I started off with sharpening, actually. Uh, I sharpened kitchen knives because uh, my background is in woodworking. So I always sharpened like chisels and plain irons and all that type of stuff. So sharpening knives just was a logical progression from that point. So I started sharpening knives and then got interested in high-end cutlery, which none of it I could afford. So like the silly goose that I am, I decided, oh, if I make the knives that I want, I can save some money back to that thing with the grinders. <laughs> I can just save some money. And here we are, however many thousands of dollars in. And I'm just about getting to the point where I'm making the type of knives that I was interested in purchasing. So and, and how many years later? What's that? And how, how many, many years, years?
1: later to, to get the knives that you wanted?
2: Um well, here's the thing about when people say they've been doing knife making for years versus like how many knives have you made? I don't know. It's been probably five years that I've been working on making knives. Um, but I don't make that many knives to be honest. Like I have way fewer knives than most people would probably assume under my belt, but having a background in sharpening and having handled like high-end knives, sharpening them for people. I feel like it gives you a real advantage as to what you're looking for in a knife when you make one, because you're like, these are good knives. This thing that I just made is nowhere close to what these other knives that I've handled are. Right. I think it gives you a leg up because you get to see a variety of knives come through and. Uh, well, sure. That makes sense. If that makes, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course.
1: I mean, you're, you're handling an example of what you want to be making. You know, most of us see, you know, pictures of examples of, you know, Hey, this is what I want my knife to be, but you don't, I mean, we're in our shops alone at home. You know, we don't, we don't handle these things. We don't, you know, feel them, know what they actually know, what the weight is, know what the balance is. So that definitely seems like a huge advantage.
2: Yeah. You just, you know, we get to cut with a couple knives that, uh, are good quality and you go, Oh, that's what it's supposed to feel like. Instead of just going, Oh, my knife cuts, right? Because all your knives can cut paper. Like I've done quite a bit of axe building as well, not forging axes, but you know, re making re grinding axes. And -hmm. like I could shave, you know, newsprint with an axe. So to cut newsprint with a knife, it's kinda like, Well, you should be able to do that if I can do it with an axe. No problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) But Axes don't. uh, Although there are videos of me cutting up tomatoes with a racing axe on on my Instagram, if you go back far enough.
1: (laughs) I haven't seen that. I'm I'm gonna have to do that. So big. I want to get into racing
2: axe. It's
4: like that big.
3: You say a
2: six pound, six pound, yeah, six pound racing axe, like a six and a half inch edge on it.
3: Is that like those ones where they're chopping the logs in between the feet?
2: That scares the fuck out of me. I've got my, some of I, that on my YouTube channel from a few years back. If I was dude. I was practicing, but
1: yeah, I, I grew up in a logging town. I've I've seen many many axe competitions. It's good stuff. Yeah.
3: It's good fun. Yeah, that's the um, one. That's the one event where I'm like cringing the whole time. I'm just waiting for a slip where they just drive that axe right into the tip of their foot. Like,
2: <laughs> nah, <laughs> Ooh. it's never it's never the tip of your foot. It's always it's always the instep. Cause it's actually really hard when you're standing there, you'd have to like, we'd have to swing to split your foot in half would be really awkward, right? The, the weight wants to come down. Oh, okay. The problem is when, uh, so you're making your notch. The problem is when you skip the blade off the edge of the notch and it goes 90 degrees straight mm. into the other foot, the in step of the other foot.
3: Yeah. See, that's, that's almost th- worse though. That's it's like, way worse. It's soft meat,
2: <laughs> but that's why they wear and, a chain mail.
3: and tendons. Oh, they do have mail on. Okay. Yeah.
2: That's why they wear chain mail. Yep. It's like a, it's a sock. And then, uh, it goes up your shin, like just below your knee. Usually
3: that makes me feel better. Yeah.
2: That's why people are like, Oh, you need steel toes on. It's like, man, steel toe boots. Don't, it's so rare that someone actually hits the tip of their foot. It's always the instep.
4: Mm-hmm. So
2: steel toe boots don't do nothing. You cut right through them. Cause in that area, it's still just leather and rubber.
1: Well, I'd like to get into the the sharpening aspect of of where you started here, but Ryan, why don't we hear from, speaking of sharpening, let's hear from our abrasive sponsor before we get into that.
3: Sure. Phoenix Abrasives.
5: Hustle and Grind podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator 36-Grit Ceramic Belts along with the Trizact Gator Belts that the hosts of Hustle & Grind use every day. When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order. Thanks, Thanks,
1: Luke. Appreciate you guys going to Phoenix Abrasives. I'm wearing my Phoenix Abrasives hat right now, and I just came inside from using Phoenix Abrasives. So, uh... Check out everything they got there. And if you need to, if you're one of those guys that sharpens on a belt grinder, uh, get yourself some of those high grit ceramic belts, those blue ones. I've been starting with that blue 120 when I start my sharpening and it works really well. So recommend that. And let's talk about sharpening in general. Rodney, when you started sharpening, what, uh, what were you using to sharpen knives? Whetstones period the classic <laughs> traditional Class, by uh, hand with no angle m- measuring no. or anything
2: no no angle thing no no angle compensation except for the robot fingers that's Ro- it
3: uh, you got robot um, fingers um, that's it, probably except... after you sharpen for a while they be all it,
2: it really is you just feel <laughs> like, how do you do it so fast i don't know how do you grind so fast the first knife i ground took me like two days And now it's not two days. So, um, yeah, uh, I think I started originally with some uh, DMT stones. And I've gone through quite a few different whetstones from King to Shapton to Norton. They're all good. You can use them all.
3: You're a patient man. I've never had the patience for hand sharpening on a stone. I get a half hour in and I'm like, this is fucking dumb. Where's my grinder?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, once you, you, once you learn how to do it, like I'll be in the middle of helping my wife prep for dinner and be like, or I'll walk in the door and my wife just hands me a knife. and says, this is dull. Go fix it. So it's eight minutes later. I come back and here you go. Here's your knife. You definitely get
3: uh, a more perfect edge that way for
5: sure. From some what I'm told, can. yeah, some
2: people <laughs> some can. people can. Um, so, but yeah, if, so you- if you don't get it, you can chase it chase it around all day long. That it's true. The key is, don't worry about anything past 1200 grit for whetstones. You can if you want to go crazy and you're doing single bevel knives. But my go to sharpening in is uh, 800 grit King Neo with a one micron diamond strop. Send it on its way. Done. You can cut paper towel with it. If you can cut paper towel clean, it's good enough.
1: So, where would you suggest people go if they wanted to learn how to sharpen properly with whetstones? Like they've tried it and it's just a pain in the butt and they can't actually get a solid edge because their edge isn't consistent because they, they don't have the muscle memory from doing it for years and they wanted to learn how to properly sharpen with wet stones because they're just not satisfied with the edge that they're getting on the grinder. Where, where would you suggest people go to learn that sort of thing?
2: Um, I always say there's nothing like, uh, time served behind the stones. To be honest, people want to be good at a skill like that, which is all very nuanced. Um, but expect to be great at it in like 10 minutes, right? um as far as youtube channels i always recommend dig through some of sean houston's older stuff uh big brown bear on youtube or triple b handmade on instagram he uh he's got some good stuff uh and if you want to nerd out on heat treating he's also the guy to do it big time he helped uh he helped write uh Uh, knife steel nerds with laren thomas he did he he did most of the heat treating and stuff for all the samples that they did for the catra testing he's he's a huge influence on me for sure as far as knife making
5: badass
1: so man i I, i've got like so many questions about the the knife sharpening thing here because i'm i'm going through a little bit of a crisis here where there's like there's certain things about my knife making that just piss me off. And I want them to be so much better than they are. Not that they're not sufficient, but I'm not happy with sufficient. I want, I want, you know, I I was talking to Ryan the other day and, uh, and our buddy Jeremy. And I was like, you know, I, yes, my knives are sharp. They're all sharp. They're all sharper than any knife that my customers have ever, you know, used before. They always tell me that, Oh, this is the sharpest knife I've ever used. And I'm, I'm glad that that's the case, but I don't feel like I understand the essence of sharpening to the degree that I should. I feel like, there's something that I'm, yeah, there's, there's more to learn there. And I want to get into whetstones.
3: Like, you because... know how to, you know how to make a knife sharp, but you don't understand sharpening on a technical level.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't know the different types of burrs. Like I have, I understand that there's a difference, you know, you get like, you'll, you'll you'll see different burrs that you get and, and they're not all the same. You know, you'll get like a foil burr on one part of the knife. And then on the other part of the knife, you've got this solid burr and you have to just like kill it with the the leather to get it off of there. Whereas the other one, it just, it, it just, the, the, you know, the, this foil burr just won't go away, you know? Uh, until you like scrape it on some wood or something to get it off of there. And so I want to get into those gritty nuances of sharpening and I want to pick up oh, this some wet sharpening
2: podcast if you want. Let's do it.
3: So, oh, we're going to you... cover sharpening, stabilizing. This is going to be Oh, a- that's right. Okay. You're a stabilizing guy too. I want to Oh, I, I love
2: me and rabbit holes are, we're well acquainted. (laughs) I'll go the distance. Let's
1: let's finish with sharpening real quick. So where, where, where do you get your stones and what, what grit stone progression do you go through?
2: Um, okay. Where do I get my stones anywhere that sells stones? Okay. To be honest, you just have to stones is like, is like belts. There's a million different varieties from a million different manufacturers. Then You know, there's boutique stuff, there's run-of-the-mill stuff. It'll all work. Um, The difference is uh, cutting speed. It's all almost exactly like grinding belts to a degree. There's cutting speed, friability, and the grit, right? So Mm -hmm. just like belts, some wet stones, they wear down faster, but they cut faster at the same time because they're releasing new New grit. Does that make sense? Yeah. You've got the matrix that all the grit is held inside of, and then either it's a hard matrix or medium or a soft matrix. So you're trying to figure out... So I'm sorry, where would you get stones? Um, In the moment, that's really hard for me to say. Do you... uh, Lee Valley has... Amazon, uh, Amazon's okay. And again, you can get a decent stone from Amazon for 40 bucks. It's not going to last that long. It's going to shed abrasive really quickly. Um, and it's just going to be a standard aluminum oxide type sharpening stone. Again, can you get it done on that? Absolutely. Uh, you don't need a $500 stone. If you want $500 stones, uh, go visit our friend, big brown bear. (laughs) And buy stones okay. from him. Um, anyways, he, he sells, he has a uh, custom made sharpening stones that are mm-hmm. diamond abrasives, but they're not like the DMTs where it's just bonded to the surface. It's actually a vitrified, it's a vitrified diamond stone. So it looks like a normal stone has the same type of feedback, but instead of having ceramic or aluminum oxide abrasive, it's diamond abrasive, which is uh three sixteenths of an inch thick.
3: Wow. Did you say it's Mad. triple B handmade? Yep. All right, I'm following him now. Big Brown I, Bear. I didn't know. So about you
1: said it. you use DMT stones. You mentioned uh Norton. Norton makes yep. stones?
2: Norton stones, they tend to be pretty big with um like straight razor guys. Okay. But they're also you wear them away like you can dish those out pretty quick. Uh big key for sharpening is keeping your stones flat. So that's where you get the trade off of a hard stone stays flatter longer, but you're going to have to condition it and and surface it to bring the abrasive back up. Okay. Uh, Or a softer stone is going to wear away, but you're not going to, unless you like a dead flat stone, which I do. So, anyways.
1: So do you just uh, stick those on the milling machine too to get those flat? Or how, how do you uh, No, you, get a, I mean,
2: you a? get a diamond a diamond lapping plate from DMT and then you flatten your stones with like the super coarse grit, like the one twenties, are uh are designed for flattening water stones. Gotcha. Oh, so
3: ba- it's basically like a piece of sandpaper on a piece of granite that we use for handle material, but it's for a stone.
2: Yeah, and you can you just flip it you can over do and that rub too. It. You can yeah. use like a 60 grit Rhino wet or whatever on a piece of glass or granite and just rub it on it till it's flat. Put a pencil, you know, do a squiggly pencil line on it mm-hmm. once all the pencil's gone or 95% of it, you're flat. So yeah. Nice. But again, sandpaper's going to, you're going to chew up sandpaper trying to abrade away abrasive.
4: <laughs>
1: abrasive, unabrasive. <on> yeah. <laughs> the abrasive so you- is
2: abrasiving you- the other abrasive. So
1: so so what's your grit progression when you're going through stones?
2: Uh usually, unless I'm fixing a nick or a chip, I go I go straight to my 800 grit. Really? Oh, okay. 800 grit and then strop. The key for what you're talking about is getting the burr removed on the stone and not relying on the strop.
1: Gotcha. Okay.
2: If you want well, the best, the best steel to practice on is honestly real as well. heat treated AEBL.
1: Okay. And what's the reason for that?
2: Uh, the way that it sharpens is it's just fun to sharpen. You can get a full length burr, like the whole length of the edge, and you'll be able to pull it off on the stone. Like it's, you know, eight inch long hair, like literally an eight inch long hair that you can hold the whole thing. You're really? going to just wow. pop off, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, AEBL so- was yeah.
3: designed for a super fine edge,
2: yeah. It's and at the I like AEBL in the 63 to 64 range. It just, it's not like uh, it's sorry, let me think about what I need to say. It's hard enough that it resists, um. it stands up to the abrasive. It stands up to the abrasive enough that you, it'll actually release the burr. Some steels, like if you get a 58 Rockwell kitchen knife from wherever, it's just, it's so soft that as you're trying to remove the burr, you're almost creating it back again on the other side. So you're just sitting there flipping it back and forth and it seems like it's never going to come off. That's one of the disadvantages of having a, softer steel people say it's easier to sharpen i completely disagree with that because you're sitting there just you're trying to flip the burr back and forth to get it to release and you go to the other side and you get the burr to flip back but then it's almost like it's so soft that you're just cutting more material away
4: mm-hmm. whereas
2: something that has a bit higher wear resistance until you get up into the crazy stuff that requires a diamond stone to abrade it properly um i find that something that's nice and heat treated in that in that range is actually easier to sharpen and to get it properly sharp a lot of people will look and they'll basically get their um, their burr to stand up straight and they're like oh it's sharp but as soon as you start cutting it and you're hitting on the uh, on a cutting board that burr will actually crumple in right and the problem with that is it'll crumple back into the edge that you've created and chew up the edge mm-hmm
1: um Real quick, you mentioned you had some, what did you say kind of strop you had?
2: Oh, uh, just a leather strop. With oh, I thought diamond, you said something
1: but like oh go ahead.
2: One micron diamond spray. It's just uh instead of like green compound or purple compound, it's uh uh gunny juice makes one. Yeah, just look up diamond spray. Diamond Diamond spray. stropping diamond stropping compound.
1: Okay, I've never heard of such a thing.
2: I know DMT makes it, but theirs is like a wax type base that you like. It comes in little syringes. Uh, The nice stuff is the stuff that's in a spray and it's like an emulsion. You spray it on, let it dry off, and it's really nice. It cuts the burr off really nice. Okay. Fucking mosquito in
3: my shop. What this time of year? He, it's he just December. Flew right pa- you might even the listeners December. might have heard him. He just flew right past my microphone. <laughs> and, uh, it's snowing out. It's like a blizzard outside right now.
2: <laughs> he's, making a, he's making a last ditch effort.
3: Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. That really yeah, no blew problem. my mind. <laughs> I just heard him. I didn't even see him. I heard in my headphones psss, <laughs> like past the mic.
2: I'm like, <laughs> that's the, the worst sound in the middle of the summer when you're just about to drift oh, off yeah. and you hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right into your ear oh man so yeah there's right. uh sharpening it's it's a thing
3: yeah we sharpening. could go all we could go for hours on yeah, yeah all, of, I, all of these if
2: if i need to repair a chip i will actually start on the 120 grit diamond stone just to remove and it's if it's really bad i'll start on the belt grinder like just hmm. shh shh take some quick passes and then go finish it on stones. Okay. So I got one, one more question and then we'll stop stop beating this dead horse.
1: No, It's (laughs) It's not a dead Uh, horse. Well, (laughs) I I feel like the listeners listeners are probably tired of this.
2: Look at how many jigs have come out to help people sharpen. It's obviously not a dead horse. I use yeah, That's
1: true. That's true. And
2: honestly, they're great. If you're water cooling with a, with a jig, go ahead. That's the one thing that, um, that I don't think can be stressed enough is at that fine of an edge, like most of our edges are what less than a thousandth of an inch, like right at the edge. That metal heats up super quick. Like, oh, my metal didn't get hot, yes, it did. Um, Sean and uh, what's the guy K Knives Switzerland? Is that his? I think that's his tag on Instagram. He's done like micrographs and checking on what happens. And there's edge fatigue from heat up like almost instantaneously, unless you're using like a water mist. If you use a water mist, it completely negates that. But dry on belts is a it heats your edge. It's that's no bueno. What's yes? Yeah. It's no good. That's why lots of times I find especially say like a shun knife, they're decent knives. Um what do they use? What's the steel they use? Um it's a decent steel, but it, um, it kind of gets a bad rap because uh, shun knives from the factory tend to have burnt edges and they're really? fine. Once you sharpen them two or three times and get past that, you know, however much it is it's been overheated, they hold an edge great. But other than that, right out of the box, they tend to be a bit chippy. Mm. So this is all and good my info. Theory, my house theory is... house is going to
3: sell a pile of misting systems after the <laughs> set <september> drops.
2: <laughs> Misting systems are great. Like, yeah, keep your edges cool. Like, yeah. We so, take all I this mean, time it's all... and we use foil wrap and tool dip to, like, make sure our heat treats are perfect. And then we're like, I got it. Just grind. <laughs> You're throwing flames off your grinder, which is fun, but at the same time.
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say, you know, because of the small surface area of that, you know, that tiny edge that we're grinding down to, it's it's yeah. imperceptible. We, you know, we feel a knife and it's like, oh, it's not hot but you're seeing sparks it's hot. So yeah. that's, that's a, that's a really good point um, that I'd never really thought of. And now I'm questioning every single knife I've ever sharpened. So thank you for that. Well,
2: <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. sorry. <laughs>
1: uh, no, that's fine. That see. This is why I want to, you know, I want to be, uh, you know, m- better at this. I want to know the ins and outs and I want to, I want to be able to uh, understand not, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily, you know, Hey, this is how it's done. I want to know why, you want know, I want to understand it. Um, so I think, I think that's really important. You know, a lot of people do, and this is a conversation I had with somebody else recently this week is, you know, people just do things because, Oh, Hey, this well-known person said to do it. So I'm going to do it. You know, their stuff works. And I operate that way with a lot of stuff, you know, the way that I forge weld or the way that I, you know, I hit steel this way is like, well, why do you do that? Well, Jason Knight said to do it. And so, uh, you know, I paid him for his Ford series and he said to do it this way. And I figure he knows better than I do. So I do it that way, you know, and in in a lot of cases that's fine, but with certain things you, you do need to know the underlying reason why you're doing something and the effect that it has on the thing that you're, you're making. And I feel like sharpening is one of those things.
2: Definitely. Definitely. It's well, it's the interaction of all the work you've put into the blade itself with whatever you're cutting, right? Yeah. The spine of the blade don't doesn't do nothing for cutting performance, really. I mean, if you're using quarter inch stock and you're trying to, you know, broom some carrots, it might not go what so well, but <laughs> other you know, other than that, it's not interacting with the food or or the animal you're trying to cape out or whatever. It's it's just right. there to have structural integrity that's it
1: so last question on sharpening when nope. you're making a knife the
3: last question was the last question
1: i didn't get this to is, it i didn't get to it i got interrupted oh, this is still it yeah <laughs> um, i interrupted you oh my yeah. no i think i think uh, rodney did or, or i interrupted myself probably, probably um yeah so when you're when you, make a, knife, when yes, you right. make a knife when you make a knife Do you start your, your edge on the grinder or do you just grind that thing, you know, down to, I don't know, 15 thousandths or whatever, and then go straight to the stone?
2: Like when I'm grinding, do I knock in a 45? Is that what you're asking?
1: I'm asking, do you be, so you, you finish a knife, it's all done. Yep. You need to put an edge on it. You know, do you just go straight to the stone?
2: Like after hand sanding and stuff?
1: Yeah. Like the, the, yeah, you just go straight to the stone. Yeah, pretty much.
2: Although so, I'll sharpen it a knife halfway through grinding. I know people don't like to hear that and I don't ooh. recommend it because you can lay your fingers open real quick, but I'm sharp pretty much halfway through grinding.
1: That's ballsy. <laughs> I know I can't do that. I mean, um, I'll,
2: I will sometimes just take it on a, you know, and just knock the edge off again, but. Cause I can see where I'm at on how tall that, uh, that sharpening bevel is. Sure. I Without looking at a, taking out a set of calipers. I know how thick I am at the edge. That sharpening so how- bevel comes up a sixteenth of an inch. I know I've got to get down thinner.
3: Oh, that makes oh, sense. Okay.
2: All right. That, that's that the only sense. reason for it. It's just, and if I'm like, ah, oh, is this knife quite there? I'll sharpen it up quick, go inside, cut some potatoes, do whatever and then keep on grinding if it needs it or move to hand sanding yeah once it's fully ground and hand sanded it's it only takes me two three minutes to sharpen from that point just because there's so little metal to remove there like usually off the grinder i can cut paper just straight off the grinder wow and I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm awesome. I'm not a great knife maker, guys. I do some cool stuff, but I'm I'm, just thinner. Keep going thinner. That's all I say.
1: Keep going thinner. Yeah. So I've if you want to with it, that.
2: I'm not your guy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Sorry. Fair enough. All right. Well, hey, uh, let's let's go ahead and leave that there. Uh, I would like to play a very silly game. Are you guys interested?
2: Is it this or that? No,
1: no, I didn't do this or that because I knew that we were going to be getting in deep, real deep. And uh, I, I didn't think we would get, have time for that. And okay. that I think I was accurate on that one. I'd like to play Where in the World is Florida Man. Do you guys want to play?
2: Sure. Always.
1: Okay.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to play
3: Where in the World is
1: Florida Man. All right. (sighs) Sorry, I had to crack open a new beer for this one. All right. This is going to be a little bit uh, longer than than some of my normal Florida stories. If this is your first time listening to the show, this is a game we like to play. All the great stories come from Florida. All the worst things that happen in the United States. Generally, they start with the phrase, Florida man does X. And so that's why we uh, we've we've kind of created this game. Uh, And basically, I'm going to read off three stories. They're all real stories that happen somewhere in the world. It's Ryan and Rodney's and all of you lovely people at home's job to guess where in the world is Florida man. So this one is a little bit long. I apologize. It's a little bit a little bit crazier than I normally get. But I feel like the details of the story are important. So I really wanted to to dig deep. And so I I copied more of the story than I normally do. So we begin with this one. Woman fatally poisons boyfriend hours after he inherited 30 million dollars. Ina Thea Kenoyer fatally poisoned her boyfriend, Stephen Riley, after learning about his plans to dump her because he had inherited $30 million just hours earlier, police said. An autopsy determined that he was killed after ingesting antifreeze, which police allege that Kenoyer fed him. The accused killer proclaimed her innocence in a series of nonsensical Facebook posts in the days leading to her arrest. Uh, she told investigators that she planned to split the astounding inheritance, which she estimated to be around 30 million with her son. The record states, uh, she claimed that she was entitled to the fortune as his common law wife. However, the state that she was from does not recognize such relationships. So after poisoning her boyfriend, she has no claim to any of the inheritance,
4: but it keeps (laughs) going, but it Uh, keeps going.
1: uh investigating authorities believe that he may have actually been the victim of an online scam. Reports suggest that Riley apparently received an email from a person who claimed to be a lawyer for a quote, distant relative and wanted to meet up (laughs) at the airport to sign off the inheritance cash. The quote lawyer never showed up at the airport. So this woman heard that her boyfriend was going to inherit $30 million and he was really excited about it, Planned to dump her. She kills him thinking that she's then going to get the inheritance, which she doesn't because common law marriage isn't a thing in that state. And then gets arrested only to find out that the inheritance wasn't real. It was just a standard email scam that you and I have all seen. I was going to say, was this
2: lawyer from a Zimbabwean prince? (laughs) That was good. (laughs) Could have been.
1: Do you believe that this woman who has astounding levels of intelligence
3: is from Florida or somewhere else in the nation. I feel like you dropping the common law thing a couple times was your hint, but I don't know it if the top of hint. my head, I don't know if the top of my head if Florida is a common law state.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think
1: too. And See, it's cheating I if I that. grab my phone. Well, I don't know that either, um, but I will, I'll just go ahead and let you know, that's not a factor. Uh, I just thought it was hilarious that she killed him, not realizing that that actually didn't apply. And even even mm. even if the inheritance, even in the if the inheritance existed, she wouldn't have gotten any after he was dead.
3: So,
2: but not was, only did it not apply, she wasn't getting anything because there was nothing to be gotten. Yes. <laughs> oh
3: man, those scams. That's fucking funny.
2: A man died because of an email that he
1: got that should have gone to his trash folder.
3: Um, what was so her, her name again?
1: People for laughing about it. Um, her name was Ina Thea Knoyer.
2: Man, Anathea Enathea.
3: I'm trying to think geographically where that name could be from. That could be Florida,
2: could be Florida,
3: could be Puerto Rico, which is <sighs> technically could be Oklahoma. State. Yeah, it could be Oklahoma.
2: That's all I got. I don't know. I'm gonna
3: go Florida. Fuck I'm going It got to make a decision. All right, Rodney, You're going on. Oklahoma.
1: That was North Dakota, my friends. Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> well done yes thank you for all uh staying with me while i went down that uh, rabbit hole of a story there the rabbit hole i think is just kind of the name of the name of this show at this point Rab- rabbit holes with rodney uh and <laughs>
3: rabbit holes
1: <laughs> naked man found dead in killer whale tank claimed he could quote communicate with them A 27-year-old man died after what police think was an attempt to swim with the whales. Tuesday morning, a park employee found the man's body naked, draped just below the dorsal fin of the park's largest whale, an 11,000-pound male. Uh, The man's body was not marked, police said. He appears to have either drowned or died of hypothermia in the 50-degree water. Do you believe that the man who thought he could swim with the whales was a Florida man or somewhere else?
3: That's California. That sounds like Is it? sounds. Like Why is it though? That?
2: Isn't, uh, are like SeaWorld and stuff still allowed in California? Oh, I don't know mm. what I'm saying.
1: I can't comment on that. <laughs> I don't
3: know.
2: That would kind of give it away. Wouldn't it?
3: I mean, I, if I it, did it,
1: comment on that, yeah, it would probably Dennis would.
3: Tyrell could correct us. Cause he's from there, but, uh, I'm pretty sure everything's illegal in California.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Have you read the back of any packaging recently? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Pretty sure I'm um, illegal in California.
2: <laughs> yeah, the ink we use to print this warning is illegal in California.
3: At work, every single pallet we get in has big stickers on it that says "Not for sale in California." What do they mow their lawns with? So back to uh, back to the Anyways, story. I'm going to say, all right, Rodney changed my mind. I'm going to say Florida.
2: I'm going to say Florida too. Just cuz I feel like SeaWorld and other places like that are still legal in Florida.
1: Well done, gentlemen. Congratulations. That was indeed at SeaWorld in Florida.
3: Oh yeah. wow, that was at SeaWorld. Nice. Yep. Well, a killer whale no less. They're the meanest of the whales. Yeah, like but they he- don't they don't
1: harm humans. I mean, there's never been a report of a killer whale actually killing a human. They don't You're they sure don't go that? after them. <laughs> you sure about, sure that? about that? <laughs> uh, but yeah no he he just drowned uh what's funny is that this killer whale was actually responsible for another similar death where somebody wanted to uh swim with them and actually drowned in front of like a bunch of aquarium like visitors and stuff so that's, that's this, horrible
2: but this this, just...
1: this whale has a history uh but yeah uh shout out to ugly duck knives for sending that one in thank you very much and we got one more here we go Child driving stolen forklift truck hits 10 cars during police chase. The footage released by the police of the pursuit, an officer can be heard arguing with the 12 year old boy to, quote, pull over now after the truck equipped with a forklift and weighing up to thirty five thousand pounds was stolen from outside a middle school in it in. This place <clears throat> i shouldn't have left that in there i almost said it uh, <laughs> da, 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 da. uh the officer can be heard saying he's lowering the hooks as well as warning a colleague not to go in front of the forklift uh no one was injured in the incident police said officer stopped the hour-long pursuit around 7 20 p.m do you believe so this it? isn't
3: florida Maine. this is florida
2: boy florida boy potentially florida boy so wait was this uh just a forklift it said a truck with a forklift. Is it one yeah, of those it, trucks that has like an integrated forklift in the back like of it, like a boom, like a boom it, on it? Or I think
1: I think it's actually like a really uh, poorly written story because the picture of it was a crane truck. I don't think it was a forklift at all. Um, we're talking oh, like okay. one of the giant, like uh, you know, like power service, like PUD style yeah. trucks that well, they used to.
3: People who work for the media aren't going to know the difference between a crane and a forklift. Yeah.
2: Although I feel like they should. That's pretty. One's a semi truck and one's smaller than your vehicle. <laughs> like, well, it says the truck was weighing up
1: to thirty five thousand pounds. So I mean yeah, it's, that, a, that's it's, I it's a that's why I wondered like, wait, rig.
2: forklift, thirty-five thousand pounds. Wait, pretty a minute. sure
1: a forklift wouldn't be able to go fast enough to keep the police on a chase for an hour either. We're, we're talking <laughs> we're talking a big vehicle. And they it wrecked ten cars during the pursuit. So, you know.
3: All right. So well, it's a crane. Anyways, it's, we're we're fucking getting into the nitty semantics. gritty here. Yeah, semantics here. This is. <coughs> I'm gonna go. I don't know, man. This sounds like Arkansas boy. <coughs> how did he know how to fucking drive it at 12 years old? Aren't those like 18 speed standards? I don't Where know. You, you gotta flip some of them. You gotta flip the lever up to get to the next row of gears, mm-hmm. and like.
2: I think or, they have manuals or uh, automatics on those on those crane trucks.
3: Do they now?
1: I think either so. way, it's a twelve-year-old boy, not just like either, either not way, taking his mom. not taking his mom's twelve-year-old child. Yeah, yeah. he's not taking his mom's car for a joyride here. Yeah.
2: He's this isn't the neighbor's lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> uh, knowing how you play this game, I feel like I'm cheating because I listen to this podcast. But uh, I'm going to say it's Michigan boy. Also sounds like something that they could get up to in B. Cone's neck of the woods.
1: Your, your home state. You're going with your home state, on my home state.
2: I'll throw my home state under the bus.
1: <laughs> under the truck. In this case, <laughs> under the truck, uh, I'm flabbergasted, shocked and, uh, impressed. That was indeed Ann Arbor, Michigan. <laughs> Ooh, <Anna Hedler. laughs>
2: oh, that's not, that's not rural. That's, <laughs> that's a big city. Nice. Well
1: done. Uh, Yeah. Shout out uh, David Burke. OLC knives sent that one in. So thank you gentlemen for your contributions to the show and congratulations to Rodney for getting two out of three. Well done.
3: Hell yeah. So So speaking
1: about contributions to the show, um, I wanted to bring up something, Ryan, did you have something you wanted to say real quick?
3: Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to talk about Baker Forge and tool and drop the maritime ad. And then I want to talk about stabilizing because, okay. We got it. Maritime.
2: Maritime.
1: So, Lord, if like, you okay.
3: guys haven't seen it yet, Baker Forge and Tool just had their Dark My drop, which I know I got Noah for you. Yeah. Liter- so literally, I go on the web. Noah is like, I just bought a billet, so I go. I'm like, fuck, oh yeah. And I go on the website, I click on a billet, says out of stock. I back out, it disappears. I hit back on accident and then I went back in and like half of them were gone. I was like, oh, my God, people are just you could literally watch them drop off the website. So if they're still there, go over and grab some. It's a very simple but totally unique, awesome pattern. It's half the price of their regular steel, And you can use promo code (laughs) hustle time to get even more off.
1: You know what I just realized? I bought a bar of steel off of Baker Forge and I didn't even use our own our own promo code. Of hustle I asked 10. you if you used it.
3: Oh and my gosh, I feel so long. freaking stupid. It was the <laughs> it
1: was it was the last billet in the thickness that I wanted and I was in such a rush to to get it and I didn't even think of using our own freaking promo code. Oh
3: my gosh, I'm such a moron. Oh, so, hustle10 get 10% off anything on the Baker Forge website. I did clarify with Koi, our code does not count towards the studio. That's a that's a separate business. That's a separate entity. So everybody knows. Oh, forgetting, all
2: the, forgetting your photography stuff done of your knives or yep. whatever. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's cool that he started that.
3: Yeah, and it's much more affordable than the traditional ones. Yeah. Like and a third the guys- price.
1: And, and honestly, uh, Waylon's work is phenomenal. I mean, we had Waylon on the show with, uh, you know, all the other Baker guys when we did that one and he's a cool guy and, uh, he does phenomenal work. I mean, it's, it's every bit as good as you're going to get from anywhere else, you know, you know, all the big names in, in knife photography and, uh, yeah. So we highly recommend, you know, most of us suck at taking pictures of our knives and I'm definitely included in that. So, Spend a very small chunk of change compared to what you would normally spend and get some professional photos done. Yeah. Highly recommend that.
3: Yeah. That's a big focus for me on 2024 is getting better cameras and lighting and figuring it out. I actually, I told the wife I wanted a different Christmas present. She was going to buy me a gun that I wanted. And I was like, don't buy me a gun. Buy me this camera. Ooh. What'd you
1: get? Different kind of shooting.
3: Uh, canon rebel t7 i haven't gotten it yet but it's like from what i've read it's a great entry level a fucking completely camera literate person friendly camera so it'll be a good start even i can use it
2: you'll do good at that but
3: you guys want to hear from maritime knife supply and then talk about soaking our wood
2: i
5: do let's do it man Hustle and Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great cobra chicken goosesses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, Eh? Eh? Hey. So hey, Thanks,
3: Luke. So I stabilize, and I've actually started doing it at the same time I started making knives, because it always just seemed to make sense to me. Like, I have a almost endless supply of burl, so it's like I might as well stabilize my own handle material. It took me four years before I finally got a batch I was happy with. I've, I've wasted... Probably over a thousand dollars worth of cactus juice on failures and shit. I didn't start <laughs> having success until I talked to you, Rodney, about my stabilizing and what I was doing and how like different ways to do it and the game changers.
4: Yeah.
3: Um Noah has some of my wood right now and he said it's very nice wood. He said it's very heavy. Which is what Yeah, you want.
1: I want to just go ahead and uh, I have, I don't know if this is like an, an admission or like a come to Jesus moment here, but um, anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I'm a KNG snob. Like, for the longest time, I have refused to use any wood that wasn't stabilized by KNG because I was burned a couple times by people who either didn't know what they were doing or the stabilization just wasn't as good as what you could get from KNG. And so I have drawers filled with wood. And aside from, four blocks now every single thing in there is stabilized by k and g ryan sent me these blocks and i know that the species of wood and like the density of the wood is a huge factor mm-hmm. but i have never felt a block stabilized by anyone else or even by k and g that feels the way that these blocks feel and Thanks, i have buddy i haven't ground anything with it Uh, you know, I haven't made anything with it, although I have an order right now that I very well might use one of those blocks for, and I'm curious to see how it's going to, I really want to like grind into it. I want to shape it. I want to see how it finishes because I, 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 am genuinely, it kind of changed my mindset for a second. I was like, wait a second, you can get wood this good with cactus juice. Like, I know that's a very ignorant thing to say for somebody who's familiar with it, but for myself, I'm, I'm a snob, you know, I just, I've only I've been only K and G for so long. So the fact that I was able to pick up these blocks and just be like, wow, you know, these are freaking amazing. Um, it was crazy to me. And Rodney, what's, I don't want to, I am not I want to like get like, Hey, what's your process or anything like that? But like, I don't care. Why, why <laughs> is it, why is it that some people sell stabilized blocks that,
2: that are absolute crap?
1: Not even absolute crap, because I've gotten blocks from, <laughs> no, if from they're people not
2: stabilized who, all the way through they're crap. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Well, sure. No, I agree with that. Uh, I, I do. I do completely agree with that. But I'll get some blocks from people who, they, you know, they seem properly stabilized, but they're just not they're just not as solid. I mean, I'm comparing maple to maple here. You know, I take a maple block from one person. I'm not going to drop names here, but you get a maple block from somebody. It's good but it's just it doesn't have the weight to it it doesn't have the the sol- the solid feel to it
3: those blocks what's, I sent you were maple it's silver maple right.
1: yeah that's what i'm saying like i'm talking about you know i've i've got a block of maple from someone else that is seemingly properly stabilized he has a great reputation and um but it it, it doesn't feel the same i mean what's what's the difference there rodney what 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 am i missing or what are other people missing
2: um there's a lot of factors that go into it. Like even um, how you cure the blocks. Uh, I think Ryan, you've talked about it before. If you're putting blocks into the longer it takes coming out of the juice till it cures, uh, the more bleed out you're getting of the resin itself. Like I deal with it sometimes just like, why did so much resin come out of this? It's just, some wood likes to let go of it easier than others. Some people are only running vacuum cycles. Like, if, honestly, if you listen to the, uh, the way that they say to do it, like on YouTube, you're going to get not amazing results. Like, put it under vacuum for two days and then let it soak for twice the amount of time it was under vacuum. And so a week later, you're curing your blocks. It's not great. To be honest, there's some woods that like to get that cactus juice in there. I mean, you're talking about wood; it's pretty solid. There's obviously burls and stuff. There's punky bits, and the the resin can go in. And you can honestly half of those woods if you just set them in a jar of it without even pulling a vacuum. You can double the weight of the wood easily. But there's a difference between doubling the weight of the wood and getting it to where it you want it to be, which I prefer my blocks to be over. Like one point one uh on density basically they'll sink in water uh one point one what is it in metric one point one grams per hundred cubic millimeters or uh a thousand 1, a eleven hundred pounds per cubic meter when you we're not dealing with pieces of wood this big, right so I sure do right right. Yeah. Do you know what you're, you're hitting Ryan? You do the math no, on No, I'm not, not weighing
3: them yet. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I've been lazy on buying a scale and I need to, but yeah, I, uh, I won't sell one if they don't sink. Yeah. And usually the ones that don't sink, the first thing I do is rip them right down the middle and see what the core looks like. Yep. Yeah. Um, but, and it, it's a weird thing too. Woods, like Sharky said it when he was on wood is fucking weird. And like you'll die a block and you'll have veins of undyed wood, but that wood is still stabilized. Like the dye just didn't, the cactus juice soaked in, but the dye didn't for whatever reason. Yeah. Or, uh, or
2: it with heavier woods, like some of it, you're just not getting, you're just not getting any resin into those areas, which is fine because that means it's probably over, you know, the weight of, that's why we don't stabilize ebony and stuff like that. It's already resinous enough and heavy enough that nothing you're not doing anything.
3: Right. Like the cherry burl I have is so tight that it takes me four times as long to get any juice into it as it does with the maple. Um, that's why I had to run away from the computer for a second. I have blocks in the toaster oven. They've been in there three hours. So I was like, Oh fuck, I forgot,
2: (laughs) but I've left them for 24 hours. You're fine. Yeah. As long as you Um, don't, take them up to like three, 400 degrees to where you start degrading the resin itself. It's fine.
3: I, I wanted to bring this up because there's a lot of distrust in the community of blocks that are stabilized by smaller guys. Um, well,
2: and I feel like it's warranted too, because everybody knows people that have been by been burnt by bad stabilizing. I'll be honest. I sent some of my stuff out to uh, pickle one time and he's, hadn't had an issue and then one block he had finished the knife and the the wood shrank on his on his knife after it was finished i was like oh, what are you talking about so you replace it but it still happens even with properly stabilized stuff every now and then wood will move but you know but yeah i think there's a lot of guys that same within the knife making community itself. There's guys that really care and care about how their knives are sharpened. And there's other people that are just making knife shaped objects. There's guys that are really into the weeds on things like stabilizing. And there's guys that are just, Oh, within three days, I can turn around some blocks and sell them for 50 bucks a pop and make some money. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's great. But you know, are you really servicing your customer? Well, if you're not taking the time, like I've got stuff that's going for four months.
3: Right. Yeah. The <laughs> I have, I have 10 blocks of silver maple burl in clear right now. And they've been in there over yeah. a week. Yeah. And that, I mean, it, so the game changers yeah. drying them properly. If you have any moisture in your block, it, the cactus juice doesn't mix with the water. So it's not going to.
2: Yeah. Well, it'll be soluble. Dry-
3: it'll wash away, but it's not going to stay in that spot. As soon yeah. as you bake you'll it, be it, dry,
2: it you'll show. be drying the wood out. The vacuum chamber will dry your wood out.
3: Yeah. That's it'll, why you need a water separator on your lines.
2: Yeah. But that's um, the thing. People are like, oh, it's bubbling. Well, are you pulling air or are you boiling water? Because they're two very separate things. Mm hmm. Yeah, interesting yeah, um, sorry.
3: and the pressure pot That's that was that was the big game changer that was where i finally started seeing blocks i was happy with yep. and if if you are doing stabilizing at home or even for everybody else who's buying the blocks make sure that whoever you're buying them from is using a pressure pot that is a that it's it's a time saver and it's a crucial step that a lot of people miss because like you said those youtube videos don't go over pressure pot systems
2: Yeah. They say, Oh, well you can use it, but it'll just kind of speed up the process. It's like, uh, if I'm going from negative, uh, negative pressure back to just standard pressure, but you've pulled the air out. Air is much smaller than fluid, especially stabilizing resin. It's, it's thin, but it still has a thickness to it, right? It's not like water or kerosene that's super thin. So if you're pulling air out and trying to replace it with a semi thick fluid, it might take something more than atmospheric pressure, which the blocks were at to begin with, right. to get that fluid to break past the tiny microscopic membrane that wood is. Like
1: interesting. So mm-hmm. so you're so you're you're pulling a vacuum, and yep. you're talking about these tiny little, you know, uh, pores that are inside, you know, the the deepest portion of the block, and you're pulling that vacuum off and. Just because there's a vacuum there doesn't necessarily mean that it's been replaced with resin. So Precisely. you have to put pressure on it to force that yep. into the, you know, you've created a, a, a vacuum. There's nothing there. There's no air, mm-hmm. but the resin still isn't getting down deep into those those tiny pores. And that's why you use the pressure is to force that resin into those those last little nooks and crannies. Exactly. Yep. It's
2: like imagine you're trying to take a sip out of like a super tiny like coffee stir straw, but you're trying to sip up whatever tar basically, or a thick liquid. It's super hard to do that. So when you create a vacuum, when you, when the block comes out of vacuum, those tiny little pores are still under vacuum, right? They're trying to, you know,
1: soak up the resin. fluid
2: into them with negative pressure, but they're only like, we're talking microscopic stuff at the cellular level of a wood. Like that's not a lot of negative pressure. It's not like it's got a, a reserve tank. The reserve tank on those tiny little pores is tiny. So yeah. Force it and in it, there. In, go
3: you, ahead. you can tell when you've got it impregnated because when you pull it out of the pressure pot, the wood is bubbling the outside, yeah, yeah. The, the outside that's the craziest, of the wood that's is the
2: craziest thing. Yeah, it gets in there and it pushes, pushes the fluid in and then it's under pressure. So when it tries to come back down from pressure to normal atmospheric pressure, it's actually pushing air out of the block. And that's usually when I like I go back and forth a couple times. I do just too. to help it suck yeah. some air out. It's like a plunger, right? You're trying to get that turd to move all the way down. But if you yeah. just push on it, it's not going anywhere. You got to kind of get her moving. Yeah, and, back and like forth.
1: interesting
3: part of the drying process and needing all that moisture out. Um, If so, let's say you you bake your blocks in your oven. Fucking for however, however long it takes to get all the moisture out. They stop losing weight, you know, and you're sure they're dry. And then you just throw them on a shelf in your garage. They're going to absorb 10 percent moisture because your atmospheric yep. moisture is around 10 percent usually, you know, in the wintertime or whenever. Um, yep, so they're going to we'll... absorb. Yeah, it'll suck the water right out of the air back into it. Um, yep. So what, what I started doing. People over equilibrium
2: right away. Well, not yeah. right away, but yeah. By the time they've cooled down enough to put them in resin, probably. Yep. What I, what yeah, what I pull I've them out of the toaster is, oven and throw them in a vacuum bag.
3: Yeah, that's what I've been doing. Gallon bags, and I don't have a vacuum sealer, so I just suck the air out of the bag. Yeah. And then as soon as they're cool enough, you want them like under 80 degrees they go right into the juice and when they're otherwise
2: you'll cure cure it off although i'm really good at uh getting resin to cure off in my vacuum chamber because i do them for so long sometimes it's a real bummer when you've got like a bunch of african blackwood or australian blackwood sorry from the tassie version of koa which Mm -hmm. is super good super nice and uh hundred dollars worth of resin and it turns into a big block inside your vacuum chamber. That's my favorite. Oh. You're just like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah.
3: A good pump also made a huge difference for me. I was using them blue crappy Amazon ones. Yeah. They kept they breaking. They great once. Yeah. They were great once. Yeah. And then that I, I got a.
2: The resin eats those pumps. They, I know. And again, cactus juice will swear up and down that it doesn't affect it. Bullshit. It, if it sits there and eats uh polycarbonate lids, it'll eat your pump. Your pump. They is say it won't eat the lids parts. either.
3: Yeah. They say it won't eat the lids. Yeah. I- a,
2: so it was funny. I went back and forth with him on it. I was like, bro, this stuff's chemically etching the lids. That's why they get those micro cracks in them. Cause it's chemically etching the lid. And then there's pressure on top of the lid. Right. It's like, Oh no, that's just from being under vacuum for too long. I was like, so I went into, there's a, uh, plastics place in my city that I'm at, I walked in and I was like, Hey, uh, can I get, could you make me a replacement lid out of this? And the guy looks at the lid and goes, what chemical did you put on that? <laughs> you just looked at it for half a second. What chemical did you put on that? I was like, Oh, it's uh the stabilizing resin. It's the guy that makes it says it's not the resin. He's like, no, no, we make air compressor tanks out of, out of, polycarbonate or whatever they make them out of he's like and they're that thickness and they're holding 80 pounds like perfect vacuum right 29.99 inches of mercury is only like 15 psi if you if you invert it yeah so he's like no we make air compressor and vacuum holding chambers like no sorry that's because a chemical has eaten that plastic away
3: yeah, like, oh, I've thanks. gotten <laughs> i I upgraded to a tempered glass lid. Yeah, it's the way, way to better. go. Yeah, um, there's
2: some on Amazon that uh, that actually have tempered glass lids. The hoses are garbage, but whatever. They're like right. a five gallon with tempered glass lids.
3: Yeah, I I wanted to bring all this up, and like because I've been really mulling around. Everybody I've sent blocks to said I should sell them because I have so much wood. I could probably, if I had the cactus juice right now and I dried everything I have, I could probably make 2,500 blocks of various burrows. Give her, bud. And, and I've been hemming and hawing about it because there's so much distrust in the community that I, I it's like I'm worried about putting my name out there and and trying to, you know, sell these blocks and people be like, oh, well, it's not K&G or it's not, you know. Yeah those guys that send their wood to G, but I don't want to do all that. I'd rather do it myself. If it's mine and my name's attached to it, I want to be responsible for the stabilizing.
2: Yeah. I know it's I'm like, always, like, anytime I send a batch out, like, I've got batches that go out to some good guys, and I'm always like, Ehh. Like, I, I know that they're good, but at the same time, you're like, what if it's the one that's not? You know what I mean? Right. So, but like, at that how time, you just have to stand behind give-
3: your you know, like it's not theirs. It's not, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's, You just I have think to it's...
2: trust your product and be willing to, you know, if it doesn't work out for someone, be willing to say, oh man, let me make that right and send you some new blocks or whatever they want. Right. It's, right. Yeah. Same thing with a knife. If you send a knife out and a customer's like, oh, this is not how, I, what I was expecting. Okay. Well, let's sort figure out. something out. Yeah. Yeah. Like Yeah. don't ghost people if they have a problem with your product. Hmm.
1: Just gotta stand behind it and you'll be yeah. good.
3: Yeah. I've been selling blocks pretty regularly to a couple of people. Like uh Gordian Keyforge. I don't know if you guys follow him. Mm-hmm. He's the man. He's my MMA buddy. He makes like
1: Yeah, he just he just posted a, a string of blocks that he got from you the other day.
3: Yeah. yeah. Nice. Sometimes it turns out because I'll just send him a video of like my rack. And he's like, he'll circ- he'll take screenshots and circle them. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes the ones he circles, I'm like, ah, do I want? No.
4: Oh.
3: <laughs> like uh, I'll do I sent that one out I... that was rough cut. I didn't stabilize it, so I got it in a batch. Somebody gave it to me or traded for it or whatever, and it was like, I think it was Ash Ashboro or something like that, and it was rough cut. And I never sanded it down to see the grain And I was like yeah fuck it you can have that one too And then he sent me a picture of it and it was beautiful And I was like oh <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. I should have kept that one Anyways Yeah so anyway, anyway, I'm mulling it around What do you think Noah do you think I should start I could like switch over One of my Lame instagrams to like uh, Coakley's wood Or something I don't know
1: Coakley doakley handle materials <laughs> Uh yeah no I absolutely think you should I mean it's just a, a you know a, a allocation of time you know what do you want what do you want to spend your time doing uh, I'm doing it anyways well but are you, what scale is the thing you know like what scale do you want to be doing it on you know does it I mean obviously it you can have stuff stabilizing while you're doing other other work but I mean when it gets down to it um, you know with the demand that you may have. Do you want to be spending that much time and resources in cactus juice, you know, replacing pumps when they fail or, you know, doing this, doing that. And then the marketing that you're going to have to do. I mean, that's a huge part of it. Like the amount of marketing that you're going to have to do to Hmm. um, be selling your blocks. Having a podcast is a great thing, you know, because most of our listeners are knife makers. Um, But if they're like me, they already have a giant stash. It's just that one that catches their eyes. Your stash
2: is, is pretty good but it's not giant but
1: yeah it's 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 quality over quantity my stash <laughs> is is quality my wood stash <laughs> and the one on my face it's uh it's, it's what you got to go for
3: yeah so yeah, i don't know i guess it, that is an internal decision i need to make right yeah because i mean it's up to the you. only limiting factor for me right now and not something because i'm still making the blocks for myself to use most of the wood you see on my handles is ones that i've done probably 95% at this yeah. point is either my cardo That's from that humongous block. I still have a bunch of, <laughs> or, yeah. you know, my stabilized woods. Um, the only limiting Which, factor way, for me, is at coming. The, it's coming, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. But, uh, the only limiting factor for me right now is the price of cactus juice. It's a hundred dollars a gallon, you know, unless you buy four gallons at a time. Um, so basically I just I I'm constantly stabilizing until I run out of juice. Mm-hmm. And then and then it'll be like months before I get more juice, but if I'm selling them that'll fund it. It'll fund it. I can tax-wise I can rope it into the knife making business. It can be the same entity. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe listeners reach out to me, send me a personal message if you would be willing to buy my stable undercut me bud no why you sell blocks i didn't even yeah. I, I thought you just did it for yourself you haven't sold blocks in so freaking long
2: listen you just don't know who i sell blocks to honestly oh, half the time like when i get batches done i've got like quite a few guys i just send them pictures and say hey there's a batch do you want in you want to snag something before i post it and if they snag it i'm like well they're all gone so what Huh? There it is. Oh well, go by <laughs> so, Rodney's so how, blocks first. No, no he,
3: he told me how to do it correctly.
2: No, Ryan's and doing a great how job. How do
1: I get on this list?
2: You want on the list? I want on the list. Okay, you're, you're on the list. No problem. Okay, sweet. <laughs> there we go.
3: All right, sweet. One thing you brought um, up, Noah, though, is that my blocks are oversized. Yes, they're, you need to trim
1: those down, bud.
3: They're too big. Well, what I wasted material. material.
2: What size are you doing?
3: Um, like. Two inch by, I don't know, maybe.
1: The blocks you gave me are two inch by two inch.
3: Okay, yeah, two inch by two inch. The I just sliced by up some how up. Six by six, six inch. and a half.
2: Yeah, yep. that's a good size.
3: I leave them big because I'm I'm curing them myself. They're coming from green wood, like I've got racks and racks and racks upstairs. Yep, and I leave them big because like you lose a bunch of it. They twist and crack and warp and they can. Yeah. I've got totes full of stuff. If I started doing resin casting that are like the live edge cutoffs that you could cast with resin, yep. but I don't have, I've, I've got the pressure pot, but I don't have the molds and the resin and shit. Yeah. But that's just another fucking rabbit hole.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The, uh, that's a great set. You can get two wah handles easily out of that size block. Noah.
3: That's what I, exactly. oh, yeah. and I'm making them for myself and I do a lot of wah handles. So I think yeah. that's probably where my measurements were coming from.
2: I do, um, I do a couple different sizes. Like I'll do wah handle sizes, which are inch and an eighth by inch and an eighth by six. Cause yeah, some guys, you know, if you're doing wah handles, like have a cheaper block that you're not, cause it annoys me. It's one of my pet peeves. When guys take like a two and a half by three inch block and whittle it down to seven eighths by seven like, <laughs> What are you doing? There's these just, things called saws. You know, you can just cut that and use the rest of it, but use a grinder to grind away 75% of a block. I'm sorry if any of you guys do that, just quit wasting wood.
3: <laughs> but uh, I don't know. So maybe I'll do so it. Maybe for I, Noah,
2: I wanted to, I wanted to tell you, Noah, <laughs> since you're on the receiving end of stabilizing. So what K and G would do and how they do it faster than say Ryan or I, they'll pull a vacuum, but they're only going to pull a vacuum for a day or two, but then their pressure, ta- their pressure pots that they use go like ryan and i are hitting i don't know what you're doing like 60 to 80 psi
3: 140 my 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 tank can't handle it It says no more than 60 psi
2: run that bad boy to 80 you're
1: good (laughs) 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 just create a bomb in your shop ryan just 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 go for it Oh, the
2: rubbers everyone says that you're going to create a like the the rubber gasket's gonna leak or the pop-off valve's gonna pop before it you think they're really selling stuff with no safety factor? They're like, oh yeah, don't, it's good to 40. And we, it's at 41, it's going to blow up.
4: Nah.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's, it's like your shock value. I'm on a podcast. Okay. Here you think I'm going to say, oh yeah, just go ahead and let that seal leak. No, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out the worst case scenario for, for shock is, value. I'm a podcaster, Rodney. Come on. Okay.
2: It, it is true. You don't, you wouldn't want to take that up to a hundred PSI. It could get slightly dangerous. Things do explode. However, Thank you. when Thank you. when that's vacuum chambers talking. explode, it makes a real mess. Let me tell you that
3: we went off on another tangent, though. So, what psi is KNG Oh, sorry. Using? So,
2: so <laughs> yeah, we're running like forty to eighty psi in the home shops. They're running like three thousand psi on their fluid. So that's how they get the resin in faster than we can, because they're just we're, like, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they just they just load it up, and there's nothing stopping that resin from going into all the little tiny pores that it can get into
3: where the fuck I do it. i get one of those tanks
2: you can order them thousands of dollars thousands, uh, yeah. the main thing is the compressor that goes along was, with it right
1: that's what yeah. i was just gonna say that's like unless <laughs> uh...
2: you made it i've all i've always wondered if you could do it with if they're doing it with like uh hydraulic force mm, well,
1: like that would make yeah, sense. just
2: that's... i don't know though that's a speculation please don't anyone try that <laughs> i didn't say nothing <laughs> Speaking of things, exploding. Rodney told me if I put hydraulic fluid in, never mind. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I'm mildly familiar with K and G's process. But yeah, Um, so I wanted to shift gears again. I have a very important thing for the listeners. Listeners, I I need you. We are going to do something very special. So at the end of the year, we are going to be doing the first ever annual H and G Awards. Now, the 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 prizes for this are insane. Uh, You're just going to get more than you could ever assume. Uh, I mean, we're going to we're going to say your name on the podcast and (laughs) we're going to congratulate you. It's going to be amazing. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to we're going to take nominations. okay? and this is just going to be like the best of the year. okay? so just here's a few categories that Ryan and I cooked up. So funniest reel. Uh, the best guests that, that we had on the podcast, and this is chosen, you know, by you guys, um, who, you know, what makers showed the biggest improvement over this year? You know, like who started off, you know, doing good and then just took it to the next level. Who's the best member of the community who supports, you know, everyone out there who's commenting on everybody's stuff, who's sharing everybody's stuff. You know, who do you think that guy is? And here's the thing is I want more categories from you guys. So I want you to send so go to the, you know, the h Instagram page, send your DMs to there. What category you think and who is your nominee? You know, like uh, the funniest reel, you know, you could pick one, of, you know, Flying Shark Knives um, reels and say, hey, this was the funniest reel of this year. Or, I mean, there's been some there's been some phenomenal stuff out there. Uh, Reaper Metalworks has had a couple of great ones. Uh, Neil uh, Maximus Knives has had some stuff. Hensley's had some good stuff, you know, send those nominations into the, uh, the hustle and grind Instagram page. We are going to take all the nominations. We will pick the winners and then we're going to announce them on the show closest to the new year. So we're going to start the new year off with a bang of just, you know, throwing out some awards of what we think were the best in each category. Um, so those those are the categories that we came up with. So funniest real, the best guest. This year, who do you think was the best guest that we had on here? Who was the funniest? Who was the most <laughs> informative? <coughs> you can pick Rodney if you really think so. Um, who showed the biggest improvement this year? You know, what maker really knocked it out of the park and upped their level this year? And then who's the best member of the community? Who who really shines? Who supports everyone out there and is always commenting, always sharing posts, all that good stuff. So I'm really excited to do to do that. Uh, I got called a serial highlight...
2: liker by Noah Vachon. He's like, "You're a serial liker. liker." Nice. <laughs> I
1: was like, "Okay, so that's gonna that's gonna be the name of that category from now on." So, who yeah. is the serial liker uh, of the community? And yeah, I'm really excited. So, I want to do this. I want to you know highlight some members of the community, but the most important part is you guys telling us who those members of the community are that that's should cool. be nominated and should be chosen. For so, these how
3: awards. many do we have so far? So we have four categories, four categories. We're shooting for 10. I'll be so Noah does all the Florida man stuff. I don't have anything to do with it. So I'm going to be handling this. So send it to the hustling grind page. Don't send it to my personal page because I get too many messages and it'll be really hard for me to like sort through it all. So the hustling grind page will be a lot easier for me to see them all. We need six more categories. We'll announce those categories on the next episode, which is Tobias Hangler. And then once he's a great six,
2: guest, by the way,
3: I love having him on. It's like talking to a genius. I feel I so stupid, but he's such a nice guy, <laughs> but he's, he's at, so, we'll, but our next week's episode, we'll have all 10 categories and we'll post them. So you can see them and I'll, I'll pin the post in all the pages. And then the voting will begin where you all message the hustling grind page. With the 10 categories, 1 through 10, who your vote is for each category. One person per category. I don't want like, oh, maybe this person and this person. No, one person. We'll tally up all the votes. Whoever got the most wins. Beauty. And you'll get nothing but our love and affection. And it's going to be a ton of fun.
1: Yes. Mostly this is for fun. Yeah, and to recognize people in the community, I think that's, that's the most right. important part in my mind is to, to just recognize people in the community for outstanding acts and ridiculous acts. I mean, you want to you want to you know throw somebody out there for uh, you know most ridiculous clothing of the year or you know something like that. People have been wearing costumes lately. Most ridiculous costume of the year, you know, whatever it is, make it fun, not uh, not hurtful. We're not looking to to you know do anything like that, but you know, keep it fun. Keep it light. These are all serious categories that I put out here. Give me some give me some crazy ones. You know, I had some hurtful
3: ones it? in my mind, but it's all <laughs> yes, based, you did. It's all based on like, all right. So when I was in high school, I worked at a KFC Taco Bell and we had superlatives every year at the Christmas party. And one of them was like fuck up of the year and smegma of the year. I won that three years running, by the way. And like just all these horrible, ridiculous categories. <laughs> um, so that's where my experience with this comes from. Noah is gonna help me and we're gonna keep this
2: nice and
3: positive. Absolutely.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And with that,
2: so like best San Mai of the Year.
3: Yeah. One I'm of my sure. ideas was who's most likely to quit making in twenty twenty-four. <laughs> Noah said that was not a good idea. <laughs> so you see unless, what i do for you guys unless it can
2: be a self-reflective nomination only
3: yeah it's not <laughs> no. i'm i can't turn back now <laughs> it's too much invested no all right.
2: right yeah go ahead
3: all right we've been going for
1: an hour and a half guys
2: yeah i it's think it's time
1: one. to switch over to an after show
2: let's do it
3: let's do we it got all the sponsors in right drink liquid iv hustle 10 for 20 off yep and all that good stuff yeah. Thanks, everybody. I hope you guys learned a lot from this episode. And Who,
1: who knew that the Sharp Carpenter was going to be an educational episode? I
2: Thanks did. Thanks for having me on, guys. <laughs> I knew.
1: Thanks for coming on, Rodney. We appreciate you being a, a good sport. And uh, thank you to all of our Patreon uh, members who are going to get to listen to the after show. Uh, we'll try and read you guys out n- next week. We went a little long today, so I don't think we have time. So
3: Yeah. So we'll do it next week. Thank we you all very much. And if you you. get value from our show, please consider going on and becoming a Patreon. I hate asking for money. Um,
1: But it helps. It helps pay the bills and helps uh, keep us uh, going on this show. So we appreciate you guys contributing to our success. It's lovely.
3: Bye, everybody.
4: Bye-bye.